Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Uh, happy New Year to you all. Uh, will you please shake somebody's hand and wish the person afishapa? Afishapa, afishapa. And then give some prophetic utterances. Afise say. Why I Afise say. Nenyamie biye kwain. Afise say. Na osuru biye amau. Afise say. Na wenyu nyama shreng. Afise say. Na wako wenim. Prophesy, prophesy. Say something. Please say something to your sister. Say something to your brother. Say it and mean it and believe it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. Amen. Um, thank God very much for bringing us this far. It's by his grace. We are what we are. And I thank the leadership for giving me this platform this first Sunday of this year. May God bless you. I'm here on an assignment. It is church policy that annually we assess our pastors. And the officers take part in the assessment of the pastors. In management, you have something called 360-degree assessment. You are assessed by your subordinates, then you are assessed by your peers, then you are assessed by your superiors. Then all these assessments from all these angles are put together to give a very objective, holistic assessment. So what I'm doing this morning is assessment by the subordinates of the pastor, the officers who are closest to him. So right after the service, I'll meet with the officers in one of your offices. Then we go through the assessment. It's just a questionnaire. You tick, 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 and we are finished with it. Amen. So that's why I'm here. But then it has pleased God that I should share the word of God with you. And as we begin the year, I'd like to speak to this, top, this theme. I'd like to speak to the theme the basic message of Jesus Christ. The basic message of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. I'll take my scripture reading from John chapter 10. I'm reading from verse 31. John chapter 10, verse 31. 31. Reading from the New Living Translation. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, NLT. Once again, the people picked up stones to kill Jesus. They picked up stones to kill Jesus. Then Jesus said, At my Father's direction, I have done many good works. For which one are you going to stone me? Then they replied, We are stoning you not for any good work, but for blasphemy. You are a mere man, 
but you claim to be God. You are what? A mere man, but you claim to be what? God. Then Jesus replied, it is written in your scriptures. You can find what he's saying in Psalm 82. He was referring to Psalm 82. It is written in your scriptures that God said to certain leaders of the people, I say you are gods. I say you are gods. And you know that the scriptures cannot be altered. The King James Version says the scriptures cannot be broken. We can't change scripture. Hallelujah. So if those people who received God's message were called gods, those people who received Christ's message, God's message, if they were called gods in the Old Testament, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I am the son of God? After all, the father set me apart and sent me into the world. Don't believe me unless I carry out my father's work. But if I do his work, believe in the evidence of the miraculous works I have done. And even if you don't believe me, then you will know and understand that the father is in me and I am in the father. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but he got away and left them. Amen. Now, my proposition this morning to you is that you are gods. It sounds a bit strange. You are not mere human beings. You are gods. Now, this is not blasphemy because I'm quoting what Jesus said. Jesus is saying that if the basic message, if the truth, if the message of God, if the gospel enters you, if you accept it, you believe it, you confess it, and you practice it, you are metamorphosed from a human being into a God. And that is what the message is all about. Jesus came with the spirit force of God, with the life force of God, with the zoe of God, with the eternal life of God. The mystery of the eternal life is that God had put the life force in his blood because the spirit or the life of an animal, it's in the animal's blood. So God has, had put his life in the blood of Jesus. So it had been encapsulated. There is a power, a medicine, something very divine, spiritual, in the blood of Jesus. And this life force of God in the blood of Jesus was to be released upon the earth. Immediately the blood is released upon the earth, it acts like an antivirus. It begins to function against a certain virus. And that virus was written by Lucifer. And that virus is called sin. And sin had corrupted and destroyed God's creation. And sin entered the world through Adam. When Adam disobeyed God, when he sinned, 
the glory of God left. The life of God left. The, 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 the force that was to carry him through to dominate the world was lost. And Adam's fall in the garden through sin made all his seed, his descendants, to be born in sin. So that the glory of God had left us. So all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because we had lost the eternal life force of God, which God breathed into Adam's nostrils, we had become slaves to sin, to Satan, to death, to damnation, and eternal hell. Jesus came with the antivirus. And the antivirus was in his blood. So there was the need for him to shed that blood. And by the shedding of that blood, the antivirus was going to be released. Now it acts like Bluetooth. Anybody who accepts the gospel message, believes in the heart, and confesses, immediately receives, downloads, installs the antivirus. And then when you begin to practice his teachings, you are activating the antivirus against the power of sin. So Romans says that the law of Moses could not handle the virus called sin. But there is the principle, the, the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus. That is the only power that can set human beings free from the dominion of sin and Satan. Now, when you begin to practice the message of Jesus Christ, what it does is that the antivirus does not only quarantine the, the virus called sin, it does not just only delete it, but it shuts down the entire system and then it boots. When it boots, it upgrades. And when it upgrades you, you leave humanity and begin to walk in divinity. So if your life was in Pentium 2, when the gospel enters and you begin to practice it, there is an upgrade, 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 upgrade. You will end up practicing a divine lifestyle. You become a God, no more a human being. So the agenda of Jesus was not just to shed his blood and save sinners, but his real purpose was to transform mortal men into immortal gods. So Paul said it clearly in 1 Corinthians that then the mortality shall be swallowed up by the immortality and that which is corruptible shall become incorruptible and then this our carnal flesh shall put on a celestial body and then we shall be like him. Oh my God, somebody, you are a God. You are a God. Boss, the thing is touching you. So Jesus is saying that anyone who receives the message, the gospel, the truth, when you know the truth, it is not just a sophiatic knowledge and it's not a sunetic knowledge, but then it is a combination of sophia, sunesis, and phronesis. When you add these three knowledges or dimensions of wisdom, you'll be walking in sophronismus. When you enter sophronismus, your life is divine. So Paul wrote to Timothy and said, I want to remind you, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 6. He said, I want to remind you that you stir up 
the gift of God which is in you, which you received when we laid hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity. He has not given us a spirit of cowardice. But the spirit he gave us, which we have received through the blood of Jesus, is a spirit of dynamis. It's an inherent miracle-working ability that is in you. Then it's a spirit of agape, the love of God. Then it is a spirit of sophronismus. There is no English word for metabolism. Uh, there is no key word for metabolism. Can you give me a key word for metabolism? You can't. You see, there are so many English words that don't have a key translation. We try to coin something. Metabolism has no key correlation. Likewise, sophronismus has no English correlation. You can't put sophronismus in English. Just like you can't put metabolism in tree. But the Greek language was so rich in vocabulary that God chose to write the New Testament in Greek. Now, sophronismus is not sound mind. And sophronismus is not self-discipline. So all the translations that use self-discipline, sound mind, were wrong. They were trying to put something together. But sophronismus is a combination of sophia, wisdom that is learned from books. We go to school and we get book education. Then it is sunesis. Sunesis is wisdom that is learned from practical experience. So if you want to be a doctor, you do the theory, then you do the practicum. But then there is a third dimension. The sunesis is the practical wisdom. And then the sophia is the theory. Then there's a third one. When the experienced consultants on an issue cannot solve it. They have learned the books and they have practiced. They can't solve it. They call a man of God. When the man of God comes, he brings phronesis. Phronesis is revelation knowledge from heaven. When he applies phronesis to sunesis and sophia, the problem must be solved. So we Christians are supposed to combine sophia with sunesis and phronesis. And we walk in sophronismus. That is what we have in the Holy Spirit. So that the Holy Spirit gives you knowledge from books, knowledge from experience through discipleship, and knowledge by revelation from God. Then when you approach a problem, you apply divine wisdom to practical wisdom and theory, and the problem must be solved. This year, may God give you the spirit of Sophronismus. And with the Sophronismus working on dynamis, that is the miracle working ability, this year, you are going to have miracle upon miracle upon miracle upon miracle upon miracle. Every day is a day of miracle. Because so long as this antivirus has been installed and every day it is updated, you wait on God in devotion, in prayer, in worship, and in Bible study. You activate and then you upgrade and you update the antivirus. Immediately you finish your devotion that morning, something good is going to happen for the day. Somebody receive dynamis, the power to work miracles. Receive sophronismus. But then between the dynamis and the sophronismus, there is agape. There is the need to walk in the love of God towards one another. And even towards your enemies. When enemies come against you and they bombard you, they attack you, they frustrate you, they oppose you, they undermine you, continue to walk in love towards them. Love your enemies. Do good to them and pray for them.
So I suggest to you that when you are in Christ, you are not a human being. You are a God. But to walk in divinity, you must remain in Christ's basic message. The message that he came, not just to shed his blood to save sinners, but to metamorphose mortals into immortals. Homo sapientum into Homo Elohim. After the resurrection, the Homo dimension of the Homo Elohim will be deleted and they will become divine Elohim, celestial Elohim. The mortality will be removed and immortality or the incorruptible will be put on. May that be your destiny. So if we are gods and we are all children of the Most High according to Psalm 82, if we are gods, really we are gods. That's a big question. How do people become gods? And how do they continue to abide in divinity? And how do they end up in their heavenly home? Because life is a journey to heaven. Life is basically a journey to heaven. In the journey of life, you are going to encounter enemy attacks, opposition. And these enemies are in various categories. Time will not permit me to address all. But enemy number one is Satan, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says, be alert, be very watchful. For your enemy, Satan, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So enemy number one is Satan. But the good news is that Jesus defeated him on the cross. After his death on the cross, when he shouted, it is finished, he descended into Tartarus, the deepest part of hell. He encountered Lucifer and all his hosts. And the Bible says he conquered them. He defeated them in that battle of Asamindo. He stripped Satan of all his powers and took out of hell all those who were in captivity of Satan. And he led those captives in his train when he was coming out. So in Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible says he descended, he ascended, and he led captives in his train. And when he ascended, he gave gifts unto men. He gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the building up, the equipping of the saints for the works of ministry. So Jesus has defeated Satan, stripped him of all his powers. So Satan has no power anymore. What he has are wiles, tricks, designs, schemes. He will scheme and influence you to do something contrary to the program God has programmed you, which is the scripture. When you walk out of the way, you will fall into a ditch. When you break a hedge, a serpent will bite you. So yours is to just abide, remain in the message, and Satan can never touch you. No weapon, no juju, no devil, no zegle, no ekpelekpeji can touch you. So long as you are remaining in Christ's message, they will dig a hole, angels will carry you over. They will shoot the bullet, the bullet will bounce. Because God has put a hedge around you. And that hedge is the spirit of life which is in the message. Enemy number two, principalities, powers, rulers, spiritual wickedness in high places. Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 10. Enemy number two. Now these are fallen angels. When Satan rebelled against God, God cast Satan down with a third of the angels. Now when they were falling, they fell with their angel abilities, the characteristics, features of angels. Angels can metamorphose into fire, into water, into human beings, into anything. They have the ability to transform. 
So when they fell, some turned into mummy water, and some turned to sasabonsam, and some turned into imwetia, and some turned into all kinds of things. So when somebody goes fishing and says, I saw something, it is true. But what he saw was a fallen angel manifesting in any other form. And somebody catching something. So the abosum ahro, all the types of abosum all over the world are fallen angels. But they seek human worship. So they will put fear on you. And then when you fear, you run to go and put your head under a certain type of protection. And when you go and covenant for protection, you are covenanting with the devil. And then your destiny is hell. Because immediately you covenant with the devil, you lose the eternal life, the zoe force. You are replacing the zoe force with a demonic force. You lose your bend, as in avatar. In avatar, you have to keep your bend to be able to fight. So when you covenant with the devil, you lose your bend. Immediately you lose your bend, you are a loser. Don't go to any juju. Don't go to any false prophets. Don't pass anywhere. Remain in Christ and his message message. And all the jujus, the abosum, the muetia, the sasabonsam, uh, all the forces around, they can never touch you. Just put on the whole armor of God. The helmet of salvation is in the basic message. The breastplate of righteousness is in the basic message. The belt of truth is in the basic message. Your feet shod with the preaching of the gospel of peace is in the basic message. The shield of faith is in the basic message. And the sword of the spirit is the basic message. And you are more than a conqueror. Enemy number three, serpents and scorpions. They are called demons. Now demons are not fallen angels. We don't know the origin of demons, but John chapter 1 tells us that demons were created by the word of God. For by the word were all things created, and without the word was not anything made that was made. In the word is life, and that life is the light of men. So God created demons. They were to be servants in his kingdom. When Satan fell with his angels, the demons followed. Angels have celestial bodies, so they can operate without human beings. But demons don't have bodies. They are spirits. They are like smoke. So what they do is they seek to enter human beings to manifest. So when somebody is demonized, you begin to manifest the works of the flesh. That is the food of the demons. So when you are in anger, you are feeding a demon of anger. When you are in sexual immorality, you are feeding a spirit of immorality. When you are in stealing, lying, and covetousness, you are feeding a demon. And the more you feed the demon by sinning, you become a slave to that demon. The Bible says the one who sins becomes a slave to the sin. How can you be a slave to sin? You are a slave to the spirit. Hello? How do you deal with demons? By the word. Jesus cast out demons by his word. So, so long as you are in the word, the demons can't enter you. They will come to attack you. They are all over. They are like uh, oxygen in the air. In the atmosphere. They are everywhere. But so long as the life force of God, the zoe, the eternal life of God, which came through the blood of Jesus, dwells in you. John says that you cannot sin. He who has the seed of God in him cannot sin. You can't sin. You can't feed the demons. So just abide in the message and no demon can influence you. They will come one way, they will scatter seven ways. Somebody receive it. The next group of enemies are Antichrist. Lucifer is an angel. 
The principalities, powers, rulers, and spiritual wickedness are fallen angels. Demons are spirits. But the antichrists are human beings. Now, there are antichrists, two groups of antichrists. There are antichrists inside the church. And there are antichrists outside the church. The antichrists are people who have allowed the spirit that worketh in the children of disobedience to rule them. An antichrist is anybody who is against Christ. And anybody who does not carry this message is an antichrist. Hello. Let me give you examples of antichrist. Now, what makes you a God is the word of God. Jesus said, those to whom the word of God came, they are called gods. Apart from the word of God, nothing can make you a God. Hello. So if any brings, anybody brings any other gospel, any other message, according to Galatians chapter 1, Paul says, let the person be accursed. Because there is no other gospel. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. So when somebody comes and says that you need my anointing water for your deliverance, he's an antichrist. If somebody says you need my anointing oil for your breakthrough, he's an antichrist. I'm going far. Because only the word of God comes to make you a god. And if you are a God, the only thing you need to survive, to dominate, to prevail, to be glorified, to be exalted into eternity is the word. Don't add anything to the word. Don't subtract anything from the word. If anybody comes with another gospel, he is an antichrist. And there are so many people preaching on telly, on the internet, selling anointing oil. Selling anointing water. Some don't sell it, but they will, put, they will make you put your confidence in it. The person is an antichrist. Remain in Christ and his basic message. So long as you hold on to God's word, you will dwell in divinity. You are challenged. The antichrist, they come with false teachings. False practices. False traditions. False directions. At the end of the story, you lose focus on Christ and you focus on them. That person is an antichrist. And there are many of them who are giants in Christendom. They are fake. I've given you only four. There are antichrists outside. They are Juju men, Abosuma Konfuo, Nana Agrada, Nana Ekpelekpaji, they are on TV. All they do is magic and producing money. But man shall not live by money alone. Money is not all there is to life. If you know that you are a God, you can sit down, spend time with God, charge the dynamis in you, and you shall command the thing and it shall be established for you. So that you can produce money the way they produce money. And you can produce mansions the way they produce mansions. You can open doors where there are no doors. If God did it through Moses, and he did miracles by Elijah, under the anointing of the Sophronismus, you can do greater works. You can do greater works. Psalm 
common false doctrines in Christianity that you are to watch. The first group of false doctrines are called satanic verses. Salmon Rushdie wrote his satanic verses and he got into serious trouble. First Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 tells me that in the last days many people shall depart from the truth and they shall give heed to doctrines of demons. First Timothy 4.1. The spirit clearly says that in the latter times some will abandon the faith. Some will abandon this basic message of Christ. And then they will go and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. There is a lot of demonic doctrine in Christianity today. So Paul mentions just two or three. He said the first one is that these people are hypocrites, they are liars, and their conscience is dead. They will tell you not to get married. And there is a church that tells their priest not to marry. So they make a vow of celibacy. That doctrine is a doctrine of Satan. Is somebody catching something? It's clear here that if a church tells you that you must not marry, you must remain celibate, it is a satanic doctrine. The second one is another church. They go to church on Saturday. Then they will tell you that you are not to eat a certain type of food. Don't eat catfish. Don't eat, don't eat pork. And don't eat, don't eat any fish that hasn't got scales. They are going back to some Old Testament hygiene laws. The Bible says these doctrines are also doctrines of demons. So any church that gives you such teachings is a demonic. May God have mercy. Please remain in Christ and his basic message. The effect of demonic doctrines is that it opens doors for demons to take control of you. When they take control of you, your destiny is hell. They will destroy you. Wherefore, come ye out from among them and be ye separate. And touch not these unclean things, and I will be your God, and ye shall be my people. Flee from such things. The second group are Emoasem. The first group is Emonsamsem. They pretend that these Emonsamsem are Nyamesem, but they are not Nyamesem, they are Emonsamsem. The Bible says clearly that these are doctrines of demons, Emonsamsem. The second group are Emoasem. Emoasem is also in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. 1 Timothy 4, 7, Emoasem. Now, Emoasem, the, the, the Bible says they are fables have nothing to do with godless mates and old wives' tales. Tales. Like Kwekwanansi. And Kwekwanansi went to the Asil. And then the Asil gave Kwekwanansi a big ball of fufu. And Kwekwanansi said, Oh, Asil, oh yeah, Asil monko, Asil monko. Then Asil said, Oh, yeah, dinam feja mofrano. Udi kakrano deja. Then Asil went to take bath. When Asil came, Kwekwanansi had eaten all the fufu. Eaten all the meat. Drank all the soup. Lick the plate and chew the plate. 
And then the children came to come and look for something to eat. And there was nothing to eat. And they were crying and they took cutlass to beat Kwekwanansi. And then Kwekwanansi jumped into the corner. So anytime you see Kwekwanansi in the corner, it is because he ate all the food and didn't leave some for the children. This is a muasem. It doesn't bring, it doesn't bring salvation. It doesn't transform your lives. Praise the Lord. There are so many emwasem in life. When you find out the meaning of fable, just go to dictionary.com and then type in fable, F-E-B-L-E. You see that fables are false stories, stories based not on facts. They are not true. And they usually have animals as characters or certain mythological heroes like Mighty Thor, Batman, Catwoman, uh, Iron Man, and all these comic, they are emwasem. They are emwasem. Don't let your children continue to watch these things. Fantastic Four, Captain America. One boy jumped from uh, in New York. He put on this Batman's, uh, it's Christmas, and he bought the, the mommy bought the Batman uh, costume for him. And he put on the Batman costume and jumped from the window thinking he would fly. He's been watching Batman, Captain America, Fantastic Four, and Moasem. Please, in Christianity, our focus is Christ's basic message. Not in Monsamsem, not in Moasem. Praise the Lord. There is a third group of false doctrines. And this is Nipasem. Nipasem. So there is a Monsamsem. First Timothy 4 1. Then there is a Moasem. First Timothy 4 7. Then there is Nipasem. Mark chapter 7 from verse 7 down. The Nipasem are traditions. Women, when you come to church, Montanaha. Then the men are Montanaha. It is Nipasem. When you sit here, does it make you holier? If the person wants to commit fornication, the person will do it right after church. Whether you put her here and put the man here. Are you with me? Another nipasem is that the women must put on duku by all means. Aye nipasem. Now nipasem is, is culturally based. And we are different cultures. We saw our Kenyan apostles in their Kenyan uh, costumes and the way they dance and jump. You, if he does this in Ghana, he will not even be made a deacon. <laughs> but that is his custom. It's their culture. Are you with me? Now, when you look at T.D. Jakes and the way he ministers, and you look at Juanita Banyan and her ministration, it is purely American charismatism. It is their tradition. When you come and do it in Pentecost, they will give you a letter from head office. Are you with me? So, traditions of men are culturally relative. What applies in China does not apply in Ghana. What applies in Asantimemu, when you come to Choco, it's a different thing. The Choco man will just point the finger and say things that are unspeakable. But when you go to Asantihin, and you go and speak like that, but it's culture. So don't impose culture traditions on church members. We are gods. 
Our citizenship is in heaven. Let us abide in the message. The message that makes us divine. We are homo Elohim here on earth. But when our work here is done, he will take us. Now your best son. Oh, praise the Lord. Mama yenya ni pasem na yade tete ni pa wa sorry no mono. Na a sorry no enkoso. Let's give people the basic message and put aside all these traditions. It doesn't work. Traditions don't save. They are just contrivances of societies for orderly behavior under circumstances. But after those circumstances have passed away, they become irrelevant. I pray that the next chairman will deal with these traditions. Uproot it and cast it away. And let us walk in the message. The message that will take us to heaven. Somebody receive it. My time is up. Praise the Lord. I wish I had an all night with you. We will go deeper into certain things. And I will attack. The next dimension is abofonsem. Abofonsem. Then that's the last one. Abofonsem. Now, when you read Acts chapter 7, verse 53, Acts 7, 53, Acts 7, 53, and Galatians 3, 19, Galatians 3, 19, you will discover that the laws of Moses were administered by angels. He said, you who have received the law that was put into effect through angels, but you have not obeyed it. Now, let's go to Galatians 3.19. What then was the purpose of the law? It was added because of transgressions. And until the seed, the Christ, with his message came, to whom the promise referred had come. The law was put into effect through angels by a mediator. Hello. Now, when you read the Greek, the... The word through angels is not through angels. It is by angels. By angels. The law came by angels. So Paul says that the law came through Moses. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Which means that the law is not truth. The law is not truth. If grace and truth came by Jesus, then the law is not truth. So Jesus said, when you know the truth, it is the truth that will set you free. The law cannot save you. When you read Galatians, it says, uh, 2 Corinthians, it says that anytime the law is read, then a veil covers the people's minds so that they cannot see the riches of the glory in the message of Jesus Christ. So the law is to blind people. It is to keep them in a school. The law is a schoolmaster. It was to keep the Jews in preparation for the coming of the Messiah. In Christ, in this New Testament era, we don't practice the law. The law's dispensation has been ended, terminated on the cross, nailed to the cross. 
the law with all its curses and promises and blessings have been nailed to the cross. So we are no longer under the law. So Paul was saying to the Galatians that you are foolish Galatians. You started in the basic message of Christ and received the anointing. How come you have gone back to the law, to circumcision and observances of days and sabbaths and rituals? You have lost your faith. You are not going to heaven. I have toiled in vain because you are following abophonsem. Hello. So in Christ, we don't teach the law. We teach the truth. And when you know the truth, the truth sets you free. Then you don't go running after a D4 and a comfort for a quanchere. One says he is an angel and he can turn into a snake and go to bank and swallow money. It's, it's nonsense. I am monsam clear. It's occultism. It's pure occultism. Then another one to is in Kumasi that I'll give you kodi wonkosuya so you can go and kill your enemies. Jesus didn't teach us to kill our enemies. Kodi wonkosuya. And then we have the Ebura Munsio, which can save you and heal you and deliver you. Christians don't need deliverance. Somebody received that message. I was mentoring the ministerial candidates yesterday, and I asked them only one question. Do Christians need deliverance? And their answers were all wrong. Christians don't need deliverance. We are God's. Seated in Christ in heavenly places on the throne of God with our master. And God is in Christ and Christ is in us. Our bodies are the temples of the living God. There is no place for Satan, no place for demons, no place for deliverance for us. By the gospel, this message, we were delivered from the kingdom of darkness and translated into the kingdom of his light. Delivered once and for all. Ours is to abide in him, walk in him, practice the truth. And when you know the truth and practice the truth, the truth is what sets you free. It is by knowledge that the righteous shall be delivered. Not by anointing water. Not by anointing oil. Not by, uh, 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 this guy said, what does this woman say? Uh, Many pastors and members were running to a dunfa for Nyamie Shiraso. And what is the end of a dunfa today? It was a bofunsem. It was a lie. It was something in transition. If it was from God and good, it would have been established and it would grow. Because a diaba Jesus Christ to a diano, a fifi papa, ne wey ye fe, or see there's little rock that God cut and struck the statue. When it crushed the statue, it grew into a global mountain. God can never do something and fail. Anything God begins, He ends well. Adufa was affecting, walking in above onsem, deceiving people, putting people, people putting their trust in a woman. And where is the end of Adufa? It crashed. Don't be deceived. Abide in Christ. Walk in his basic message. And you will live like God. Every day you walk in his triumph. Every day you walk in his glory. As many as he found you, he called. As many as he called, he justified. As many as he justified, he sanctified. As many as he sanctified, he glorified. Your life will be glorious. This year you begin in the glory of God. Next week, the following month, it will be greater. And you will move from glory to glory to glory to glory until the perfect day. Somebody receive the glory. Walk in the basic message. Abide in Christ. Trust in him. He will take you to heaven.
God bless you. We have heard of Abofunsem, Nipansem, Basansem, we 